Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says there, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So he starts out here very simply saying he's not uh, from man or through man, an apostle, the guy that wrote the book, Paul. And in other words, what he's saying is he wasn't ordained in a church or somebody said, hey, you've got to listen to this guy. He's got it together. Instead, he says, and he's, he's going to start alluding here in the first few chapters of this book to his past and say, I've got a neat story to tell you. And that's what's going to unfold today, next week, as we look through these chapters, the first part of Galatians, he says, I've got to take you back to my past and tell you how I came to be a believer so that you understand where the rest of the book's going. So as we start this book, know that's the layout. The first four chapters of Galatians are going to be a storyline. He reaches back in his past. He tells you how he came to the Lord. Then he's going to relate the current issue of the day and then wrap it up into sort of the, here's his synopsis in chapters 5 and 6, saying, and this is what I learned. Now here's the core idea in Galatians. He's going to say through his own testimony, through that story, he's going to say, I started as a zealot, as a religious person, rules and regulations, and I became somebody who was against legalism, and I was for liberality. In other words, freedom with Jesus. And this is fundamental to us. The questions today aren't the same as they were 2,000 years ago. Today, what I see us asking in the church is, well, is alcohol okay or is it forbidden? Is smoking okay or is smoking forbidden? Is sleeping around, is that something that's okay or is it forbidden? And how do we come to a good understanding of what the Bible says about these things and how are we going to live? Well, all those things are going to be answered if we just get through Galatians and we find out that it's not about legality but it is about liberty in Christ. And he's going to say what propels him in his walk with the Lord. So it's a great walk. It does apply to all of our lives. And we'll, we'll be looking at all these things as we come through here. Again, from the Bible. You want to know why I don't preach against things? It's I don't have to. I, all you have to do is read the Word and say, well, what does the Bible actually say about these things? And it surprises most people when they learn what God lays forth in his Word. So um, he says, look, I'm special in verse 1 because I wasn't called from men or through men, but Jesus on the road to Damascus. He'll relate that later. He came. He called him to be an apostle. And then this is who the letters to, verse 2, the churches of Galatia. That would include several churches. This wasn't written to one church, but to a group of churches in the area of Asia Minor. That would be in the modern-day country of Turkey. Up in that region, he's writing to those churches. These are churches that he had previously planted on his mission trips. And uh, again, dealing with legalism up here in those churches. So, verse 3, typical greeting here. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the classic Greek and Hebrew greeting uh, combined because his ministry and he wrote these letters to be distributed to the Gentiles and to the Jews. So... Uh, the words here, grace, 
That's a Greek word. And, uh, and then the word peace, that is the Hebrew that's put in. Shalom, you know, that's what he's saying, shalom. And uh, so he says uh, grace and peace. And I like that he always says it that way and in that order. Uh, you'll never know the grace of God, uh, or you can't know the peace of God until you have the grace of God. And of course, his grace was given to us on the cross. And so we come to verse 4. He's going to tell us who this Jesus is. It's not another Jesus. It's the one and only. This is the Jesus that gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, uh, again, he's just saying it's this Jesus, the one who died on the cross, and he did it uh, to deliver us from evil, in other words, from our sins. And so, that's who we're talking about. Now, most of Paul's books are interesting because he's very wordy. And he takes him a long time in his introductions to come around to the main thing. And, uh, you know, most of you, if you read Romans, you're thinking, let's get on with it, Paul. You know, uh, the longest run-on sentence in the Bible, Romans chapter 1. Look at it. There's no periods. I mean, in the Greek, it's just one big run-on sentence. Well, here he goes the opposite way. And I sense an urgency with him to get onto the story because he says in verse 6, I marvel. In other words, I'm really surprised at you guys that you are turning away so soon from him, capital him, so that's from this one and only Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So he says you're turning from the one true gospel to a different gospel. Um, so soon. That, that word in the Greek is quickly. You're quickly turning. In other words, we were just up there in plant of the church and y'all were on fire for the Lord. It, this is something that happened really fast. Tells me 2,000 years later, we can get our opinions changed really fast in a church. Something to watch out for. And then turning away, that Greek word there means deserting. We all know what that means. It means you're, you're pro the army, then you're a deserter. You, you grappled with the thoughts for a while, and then you actually tore the uniform off and, and ran. And you don't run to anything, you're running away from something. And so that's what Christians do. They tear off their, their badges, and away they run. But the thought was there for a while. You might be here this morning grappling with your walk with the Lord, but you're still here. I'm glad you're here. My My... I guess my encouragement to you is don't tear off the badge and start running. You're still here. Grapple harder. You know, I I offered that book at the beginning. There's a reason. It's because I am watching a pandemic occur, not corona. I don't really care about corona. It's much worse, but it is a depression and it's an anxiety that is sneaking into the hearts of the young people, the college-age people. It's the people that are told you're going somewhere in life because you're in college and you've got to aim. And they get there and they find, but it's empty. All it's doing is telling me I can go work a job if that job still exists. Uh, And it's tough, right? Life is tough. And so depression and anxiety, that's the pandemic that we have to fight. And it's it's what Jesus came. He said he didn't come uh, to give us kingdoms and wealth. He came to give us hope. And that hope, that, that's what we're talking about right here. When we leave that gospel and, and the simplicity of Jesus and we start going for a different gospel, one of prosperity and wealth, 
uh, it's going to fail you. And depression and anxiety will rule instead of the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. So, it's a different gospel that everyone's turning to. Sounds good, looks good, but it's not the same thing. He says in verse 7, he's going to define it, it's not it, which is not another. So you've heard the saying, all roads lead to heaven. <laughs> all roads do lead to God. Everybody's going to die and end up in front of God, but there's one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. But don't worry, you'll see God. Everybody will. Everybody's getting to God, but only one way to heaven. And uh, so that's what he's saying. It's, it's not another way to get there, but there are some who trouble you, and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. To pervert something is to take something that is right and true and to pervert it, to turn it into something that is not. That's why we call people that are weird and crazy, you know, they are perverted. It's because they took things in life that were natural and normal and they, they twisted them up, if you will. And so that's where we call somebody perverted um, for many different reasons. Now, verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Strong language he's saying here. Uh, accursed is to be damned. That's what that word in the Greek means. So he's saying very strong language for Paul, okay? And it's in the Bible. Uh, so he says this gospel, if you're, if you're saying Jesus plus anything, you're in bad company. Very bad company. And he's trying to draw that, that divide force right up front. Uh, he says in verse 9, As we have said before, so I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Same word yet again. So he's saying, you know, anytime you see in the Bible something mentioned twice, there is a, uh, a more of a severity to it. If it's three times, then it's the, the utmost. And you saw Jesus a lot of times in the Gospels. He would say, like uh, the word in the old, uh, I don't know if it's in the New King James. In the old, the regular King James, he'll say, verily, verily, uh, you know, I say to you. Or then you'll see in the Old Testament where they'll talk about God being holy, and they'll say, holy, holy, holy. They even got made it into the song, you know, holy, 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 three times. That means it's to the utmost degree this is true. Uh, so degrees of importance. So it's mentioned here twice. It's pretty important. He says, verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Or if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So um, he's saying persuade. Now, that word in the Greek, it means to seek the approval of. So do I seek the approval of men? Do I come, and this is where it comes to, to bear for us, do we go to church because you want a pastor that says, I want to do what tickles the ear. I want to give you a message that makes you happy. And so that you leave here, you know, on your tiptoes and it's going to, you know, like joyous. Well, yeah, I want you to be happy and joyous, but also want to give you the truth. And I actually love you guys enough to say, it may hurt, but I'm going to tell you the truth about what the Bible has to say for you, for your sake, and for my sake. We want the truth. And, uh, so I'm doing this because I know that God is here, and I know that Jesus is listening to what I say. And I know the Bible says one of these days when I'm in front of him, I'll have to give an account for everything that I say to you guys. 
So I want to I want to do things right and true. Uh, verse eleven. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's where he backs up and he starts the storyline. And he says, look, the gospel that I got, I'm going to tell you where it came from and how I came to be an apostle and give the gospel to you. Um, So number one in verse 11 we see, this gospel that I'm preaching everywhere, it wasn't according to man. So in other words, I didn't learn this from somebody, but I learned it from Jesus, uh, from Jesus himself. And uh, what Paul is coming to grips with here is that in his early life, he was what we would call a zealot. He was a Pharisee. And so he was part of the, the group of the Sanhedrin, and that's a group of 70 ruling elders that were there in Israel. Paul was one of them at one given time. So Paul says, that's my background. Talk about religious. Now, I was super religious in Judaism. And uh, then I came to meet the Lord on the road to Damascus. And uh, so he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about religion and how it will get in there and affect you and kill you. Uh, look at verse 13. For you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism. It doesn't say Christianity, it's Judaism. That's the Old Testament. The, and, and I'll also say this. Now, in studying the Old Testament, you've got the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That represents what we would call Mosaic Judaism. It's the original, okay? That's the temple uh, laid forth, or tabernacle, rather. Uh, that's the sacrifices, all the Old Testament system. He says, that's what I was in to begin with. However, it morphed. About 200 years before Christ, Mosaic Judaism sort of went away, and it was replaced with rabbinical Judaism. What is that, you say? Well, that's where, and let me just paint the picture for you. Um, About 434 years before Christ, Jewish leaders are sitting there, and they said, the first five books of the Bible, it's not enough. We need more rules. These people don't get it. We need to add to this. So they pulled together what they called the Midrash. Okay, so what is, what is that? Those are basically commentaries on the Bible. They said, we've got to explain this better. So they, they pulled that together, and it was full uh, of pictures, diagrams, of all of the things that would go on in the tabernacle and all of the Judaism, all their rituals and things like that. Uh, much of it's very useful in study to know what they did back in those days. Uh, But as time went on, all of those midrashes were incorporated into and as chapters in what we call the Talmud. So then you have this book, which is 23 volumes consisting of 500 books. So if you put it in a room such as this, it would stretch across this lengthwise in book form, the commentaries, okay? We're talking a lot of reading. And they added all that. And now they're really getting religious. Think of the study that it would take to get all of this, you know, not just the Bible, but the commentary that goes with it. Um, rabbinical schools then were founded. They were the first seminaries that they had over there. Paul attended one. We know that in the Bible, Gamaliel, you've heard about him from Acts. He was one of the revered teachers uh, of all of the, the Midrashes and the Talmud. And they would explain the law, clarify it, and uh, continue to write more Midrashes. Now, 
During these years, 434 years before Christ, and we get down to the Greek influence that came in, they produced the Septuagint. You've heard of that before. Well, that is a Greek uh, translation of the old Hebrew scriptures. So that, because everybody spoke Greek, so that now the common people would have it. Um, but in their quest to be relevant, because that's what they said, now let's take all of this and let's be relevant. We, meet, we need more Bible translations. So this is all BC stuff, I'm telling you. But it sounds eerily familiar to the church today, doesn't it? So here they come, they've got their schools, they've got their translations coming out. Um, what, what's interesting to me is that as I look at what the Spirit is saying in Galatians, the Holy Spirit begins to distance himself from Judaism. And that's important to me. He says, you've heard of my conduct in Judaism, not in the law of Moses. That Jesus always referred to the law of Moses. Never Judaism is only mentioned twice in the Bible, that word. Big word today, isn't it? But in the Bible, it's only mentioned twice. He was sort of done with that. He, he moved away from Judaism as a religion. He, he was all about the law. Jesus said not one jot or tittle. In other words, uh, like uh, it would be like jot and tittle in English would be like crossing your T or dotting your I. He says not one little thing in the law is going to go away. I will fulfill all of it. So he said the law still was important to Jesus of Moses, what Moses wrote. Not all of this other stuff that they added. Well, uh, Paul became zealous in his early days studying all this for a religion, for a group, but not for God. He figured that out finally, and he said, I'll never go back to that religion. Remember that Jesus came, and it was religious leaders that put him on the cross. If you want to, well, I'll just be honest in my lifetime, the most Christian, if you call it, persecution that I've endured in my life, in other words, people that have treated me uh, just flat terrible, have always done it in the name of religion and Christianity. It's been other churches. I, I don't, I'm not banned from any bars that I know of, but I am from a few churches I know of. So, you know, this is, this is Christianity. It's religion. And Paul says, it's terrible. It, they're, they're who stoned him all the time, left him for dead. So where are we today with this same world? If Jesus came back, I don't know that there's very many churches that he would want to visit. I think that he would be out, he'd be visiting and eating with the sinners, the real people out in the world, because those are the people that are needing something. They're real. And I think our church is different. I think we're here for the right purposes. But there's a lot out there that are not. Um, now, we come down to Christianity today. I want to give you all a, a, a few things, just kind of wet your whistle for study on your own. Um, you've heard the word theology, Right? Now, theology, you think you know what that means, but if you look it up in a dictionary sometime, interesting how things have changed. Theology now says in the dictionary that it is a religious belief and theory when systematically developed. Like, wait a minute. That's not even what the root word of theology means. Ology is the study of, as anybody who goes to school knows. And uh, theo or theos is the, the root word for God, study of God. I thought that was a study of God. But now you're telling me it's something very different. 
Um, Dallas Theological Seminary, they put out uh, this quote. They said, Theology is a set of intellectual and emotional commitments, justified or not, about God and man, which indicates one's beliefs and actions in the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. Say what? You know, you're like, what is this? Why can't we just say, this is the pursuit of the knowledge of God? I want to know who God is. That's why I go to church. That's why I open my Bible and read it at home. I want to know who God is. Romans 1.22, professing to be wise, they become fools. And that's where a lot of our high learning in the churches, is, it's where it's ended. They're, they're, they're looking foolish. Romans 10.3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. In other words, what God says is right and wrong. They're not studying Him anymore. And they seek to establish their own righteousness. Hmm. They've not submitted to the righteousness of God. When you start pouring yourself into the study of more than into the God of the Bible, we're in trouble. And Paul here is laying this all out for us, saying that's what I was involved in, all of this study and theology and uh, looking very holy, having holy things to say, rules and regulations, telling people what they were doing was wrong. Remember when he got saved, what he was doing? He was on the road to Damascus, headed over there, what? To arrest Christians who believed in Jesus because they weren't doing things according to the holy ones, uh, you see. In churches, I've been persecuted more by those who have that idea that, that we need to persecute those who aren't doing things according to what I think. Not what the Bible says, what I think. And so here we go. This is a great book because it tells me that when you're going through stuff like this and you end up in a sea of anxiety yourself, no, I'm on the right path and you're on the right path. If you're here today and saying, I pick the word of God, that's what I choose. You know, fooey, if that's a word, on all of the theology and all of the religion, I just want to know Jesus. You're in a good, you're in a good place. Um, back into our text here. He says in verse 14, he brags a little, he says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. So he was really a good student. In my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul was religious. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb. So he's giving you a little bit of his doctrine there. He says, I think that, that God was working in me back when I was in my mother's womb, which I won't get into all of it, but you can really make a real pro-life statement there. Um, he was working in him before he was born. So just throwing that out. Uh, he called me through his grace to reveal his son, not to me, it says in me, to reveal, that, that's Christianity. You want to know Jesus? Jesus has to be in you. You can't know a lot about Jesus and ever get into heaven. You've got to have Jesus in you. Interesting. So he revealed his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So back to the history, he says, I was saved there on the road to Damascus, but I didn't immediately start going out and teaching, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia. And I returned again to Damascus. So he's just telling us uh, in 1 Corinthians 11.23 will uh, tell you that Paul learned directly from the Lord while he was there in Arabia. 
So he was saved. He goes out to the desert, and the Lord was with him there, the Bible tells us. And uh, he learned so many things. Verse 18, after three years, he says, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I remained with him 15 days. He didn't know Peter before this. Um, Isn't that be interesting? This is after Jesus is gone, just to go see Apostle Peter. That would be so cool. I always liked Peter in the Bible, but like, I heard you walked on water a little bit. I don't know what we say. It's pretty cool. Uh, Go see Peter for a few days. And uh, probably got to meet uh, James. You look in verse 19. I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. And uh, that'd be interesting, you know. Uh, How was it like to grow up with Jesus, you know? And uh, was he a tattletale? You know, I imagine Jesus was. I mean, like, hey, I, well, I mean, what could he do? That would be so hard. He he's perfect. Like you, little perfect thing, you. You know, I mean, I had a, I have a little brother, so I know what this is like. Um, I mean, how would you be perfect and have a sibling? That's that's tough. But uh, I'm no Jesus, I guarantee you. But uh, to be able to spend some time with James, and the thing is, is when you study through James, you realize James didn't believe in Jesus until Jesus was gone. So it's like, huh, bet you felt stupid. You know, I mean, there he is, God's in your home, you know, and uh, you don't really believe it until he's gone. And then you decide, no, after really looking and knowing him that closely, he, James could tell Paul, Paul, I slept in the same room with the guy. I, I knew him. I was looking for failures, looking for faults. But after I watched his whole life live out, he is the Son of God, and I will go to my death, which he did, a martyr's death. I'll go to my death because I believe that Jesus was real. That's what fired Paul up. See, it was those encounters of encouragement to say, get out there and teach the gospel. Even if they stone you and kill you, Paul, Jesus will be there, and he was. We need to be that same encouragement. Has Jesus worked in your life? He has. Look back. That's why I always say keep a prayer journal. Write those things down and share them with those that are coming up after us. We have to, or we'll be the last generation of Christianity. But this is what Paul said. This is what changed me because it was all religion. And then I met these guys. I met the Lord, and I know this is all very real. And he lived his life accordingly. Now, verse 20, concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I don't lie. That's why he can say that. Look, I lived this. I met the Lord. I was there. I met his half-brother. I met the other apostles. We're willing to go to our death believing in this Jesus. Then he says, afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Uh, There's a reason for that. Um, You know, They hadn't seen him yet. I'm sure they wanted to. He had a reputation as a Christian beater. So, yeah, it'd be kind of tough to be a missionary. You know, like last time we heard about him, he was imprisoning them. What he would do, you know, he was, it was an interrogation. So he would threaten the kids and the wife uh, if you wouldn't denounce Christ. I mean, it was those sort of situations he was in. He was, it was like Paul was the ISIS of the early church. He was a bad dude. And now all of a sudden, he's coming in saying, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, this is a setup. 
He's just trying to infiltrate our small house churches that were the common norm of the day to learn who are the Christians because it was an underground church so that we can arrest and torment these guys. I'm sure that's a tough mission to feel. I mean, I've got a lot against me in life. Paul had so much more going against him to ever be effective, and yet God used it all. The thing is, see, Paul would have even probably said the same thing you or I would say. My past is going to be a hindrance to me. My situation is going to be a hindrance to me. Guess what? God takes everything that you've gone through or that you are and your failures, and he uses them for his glory, if you'll let him have it. Isn't that cool? Whatever you've done that thinks, well, that's a, that's a black mark on my life. I can never get around it. Will be the very thing that God uses to put you into places you never thought you would be if you'll just give your life to Christ and say, I'm ready to serve you. And that's what Paul's testimony is here. Pretty cool, really. But he says, verse 23, they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. So what I said, that's the truth. They said, this, the thing is, is I thought it was going to be a bad mark, but it almost was a calling card. This guy who used to persecute is now telling us about Jesus. It's the craziest thing ever. And they glorified God in me. So they said, if God can save you, he can save anybody. And you see, the message turned into a message of hope. So, uh, you know, here's the thing, and, and read ahead next week, we'll cover chapter 2. He's going to go more into his past and then bring it to the present and a real cool story that involves Peter. Uh, Peter had the foot and mouth disease going in this uh, book of Galatians, and so we're going to see that yet again. And uh, Peter just, it he, he took him a while to come to a, a good walk with the Lord. He struggled with what everybody else thought about me and looked at and all that. So uh, we'll end there. Religion and legalism can keep you from knowing Jesus. And I hope that as we study this out, that you may drop a few of your preconceived theologies, thought processes, and all of that, and just say, you know what? I want Jesus in my life and use the word as your uh as your study book study guide for your life so uh we'll end there we'll look uh, ahead uh, next week chapter two why don't we go to the lord in prayer father we come before you and uh, lord we thank you so much for your word and just lord as we are beginning the study uh, the first things here in galatians uh, just introducing it and getting started lord we already see the importance of a relationship with you over the rules and the regulations of religion. And so, Lord, as we're coming into this time of the year, Christmas time, it's a traditional time for many. And, uh, Lord, some may have some confusion when it comes to traditions, religion, versus just knowing you, seeing what you say in your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come into this time of year, that we would experience a freedom in our lives. And, uh, Lord, that if we struggle, any of us, we struggle with legalisms in our life, Lord, that as we study this, that you would convict us individually where we need to make some changes and uh, come to just a, a honest walk with you so that as Paul did, we could share Jesus with everybody that we meet. We love you, Lord. I ask, 
Lord, that you would bless everyone that's here today as they go home, as uh, they continue in their word this week, Lord, living before you right and true. And Lord, that all of our lives this next week may be an example to those around us. And Lord, without saying a word, I pray that everyone here could share Christ with those that they meet this week. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you.